Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hey, happy August, everybody. It's uh, it's Saturday Night Live right here on 570 KVI. Thanks for joining me. It's Saturday night, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, it's Happy Hour Radio. If you ever miss a show, don't forget we've got a website, happyhourradio.net. This is the best of wine, food, spirits, cocktails, beer, all around the world. And today uh, I've got a guest, uh, Dustin Harstead, who is a bar, bar mixologist, a bartender extraordinaire. He's actually going all around the world doing these fantastic uh, booze cruises, for lack of a better term. Um, but he's a, a mixologist, and he does uh, cocktail trainings on these giant cruises and has been all around. And he's going to be on the show talking about his great travels and uh, sharing some of the cool stuff that he's picked up along the way um, when it comes to beer and spirits. Um, this is all about sharing. We're going to share something with you today. I've got uh, a longtime uh, wine veteran, um, uh, BJ Walkery, who is uh, works for now Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Uh, it's a newly formed a giant conglomerate <laughs> that's uh, found their way to Washington State. Uh, BJ is uh, a trade development specialist and a longtime uh, uh, friend in the biz. Um, we're going to chat about Washington wine, get his perspective, and he's brought some cool Washington wine, so let's get right to it. Hey, BJ Walkery, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, Chris, great to be here, and uh, uh, Saturday night, you got me out on a Saturday night. That's it's right. awesome. I know, it's like date night almost, just you and me, and we got some wine, and we got some time, and some glasses. So, um, you've been in the business a long time, I know we were chatting uh, off air, and talking about how you actually started uh, with a gentleman who was in the paper recently, Jerry King and give me a little history about uh, how you came about to be where you are now. You know, Chris, I uh, grew up in uh, South Seattle, um, uh, went to high school in South Seattle, uh, made my way to Washington State University, end up uh, uh, in the uh, hospitality management program. And uh, uh, during the summer, uh, coming back home, I uh, worked at some restaurants and ended up working for uh, uh, one of, uh, uh, or a few of the many uh, King and restaurants uh, here in Seattle. And uh, uh, upon graduation, he, he gave me a ring and said, hey, I got this great idea. And he, he had just bought a tavern called the Red Robin, and he was building a, a hamburger menu with kind of a Trader Vic's uh, twisted bar menu. And he said, we're going to build a bunch of these. And so I spent, uh, oh boy, the next 13 years with the group uh, on the dinner house side. And the dinner houses included uh, uh, the Great American Food and Beverage Company conglomeration, if you remember that one. I do remember that. Then there was a great bar up on the corner of Broadway and John Street. It was uh, Lion O'Reilly's and B.J. Monkey Shine's Old Fashioned Bar and Grill. And uh, back in 1980, Esquire Magazine's Top 100 Singles Bars in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Uh, great spot and then uh, uh, I spent a couple years there with him and then uh, up the street uh, spent another two years at a, uh, uh, a display kitchen uh, restaurant fern bar back in the day 
Boondock Sundeckers and Green Thumbs <laughs> was the a, name. This is a blast from the 70s, man, oh, yeah. 70s and 80s. And some great uh, 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 restaurant people uh, here in Seattle uh, made it through that organization at one time or another. Uh, matter of fact, including yourself, I think, uh, yeah. spent a moment uh, uh, with that group. Uh, from there uh, down to the Lake Union Cafe, if you remember that one, which was a great spot. And all those concepts kind of morphed into the, well, how we know uh, Salty's today. And I opened Salty's Alki, uh, oh back, it was about 1984, 85, right in there. Um, and uh, so I have a great checkered restaurant past. <laughs> like the tablecloth. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, King was just in the news uh, and the Seattle Times. Congratulations. Looks like he uh, won a little... Uh, uh, and a, a little attorney suit that he had going on with the city of SeaTac, which uh, looks to be uh, very rewarding for all the uh, difficulty he went through. Um, anyway, uh, great to have you here. Obviously, we share some same path, and Seattle being a small town has, has got some of those iconic, uh, what we'll call the uh, the trees of our restaurant uh, industry because everyone sort of has a branch. And I know there's the King and Branch, and these days are the Tom Douglas Branch and, and the Canless Branch, and so it goes on and on. Um, did you actually, I know being in a Washington State University alum, I'm sure you had beer and wine out there, maybe not too much wine, but lots of beer, but in the hospitality management program, did they uh, uh, address the spirits in uh, beer and alcohol beverages in that program at all? You know, back in those days, uh, the uh, wine industry was definitely in its infancy, and uh, um, our professor was a German professor, Lothar Kreck, and, and uh, interesting uh, uh, gentleman, and uh, we did have uh, wine classes, and upon graduation, I felt like you know I was I knew just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> you know what ABV was? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, well, that's great, and uh, I'm sure you know what was the kind of beer you're drinking back there, and uh, what, what were they drinking? Was it Brew 66? Was it Rainier? Was it Olympia? Olympia, Olympia and Rainier. Olympia and Rainier. That's uh-huh. right. Those Good were, Washington guys. Yeah, those were those were the big beers, and of course, uh, nine miles across the border, uh, we had the first Coors. Uh, beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Moscow, and, Idaho. Uh, yes. And that was always important uh, upon uh, returning home from thank- for Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. That's right. Bring a, bring a case of Coors for Dad. Yeah, that union stuff, yeah. right? That it, whole thing. Couldn't uh, couldn't buy it in Washington yet. Too funny. Yeah. Well, um, now you're working for uh, one of the uh, country's largest uh, distributorships. Um, tell me about this. Well, Southern uh, Wine and Spirits was founded in uh, 68. Uh, in Florida and uh, the Chaplin family uh, much like many of the other families in the U.S. uh, got into the distribution business and uh, slowly but surely over time uh, they bought out many other family distributors and uh, we had a very strong foothold up and down the East Coast and a a strong foothold uh, on the West Coast uh, California being the the, the keystone there. Um, and uh, this year, uh, the Chaplin family got together with the Glaziers family. Glaziers family owned Glaziers uh, Wine and Spirits, and they were a Texas-based family and basically had distribution through the, uh, the, the center of the U.S., if you will. And by combining those two distribution companies, uh, today we distribute uh, in 44 states of the U.S., 
which is the largest uh, of any distributor in the U.S. And uh, we cover about 90% of the adult drinking population <laughs> when it comes to distri distribution of our uh, uh, great adult beverages. Well, you're the good guys to know then. we uh, you get plenty of products out there. Speaking with B.J. Walker, Walkery, who is the trade development specialist for Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Now the, uh, well, the big uh, merger of the two families. Um, they're still a private company, and it's great to have uh, someone with all your experience here. And uh, I, I've had the pleasure of working with Southern and, uh, well, Alaskan and Western and Odom over the years, as, as long as many others, uh, distributorships. Now, you are a wine specialist and a spirit specialist. You, you, you're a specialist of everything. Is that right? I touch all the adult beverages <laughs> and, have, and have sold uh, most all of them. Fantastic. Not one time or another. Well, you know, you mentioned the infancy of Washington wine back in your college days, and uh, we we're talking probably, probably the mid-70s, um, and really, it's really boomed, right? It's it's probably a thousand-fold times bigger than it was back then. I mean, we had maybe 15, 20 wineries. If that. If that. If that. Uh, you know, I remember uh, my the first restaurant that I ran, uh, we had uh, three wines by the glass. We had a Chablis. We had a uh, Burgundy, uh, which many people <laughs> thought perhaps came from France, but it really came out of a box. Uh, Hardy Burgundy. Yes, it was Hardy Burgundy. And uh, we had a pink wine that we called, uh, uh, heck, we called uh, Rosé, I think, ba back then. <laughs> and uh, um, I remember the, uh, a, a distributor came in, to, uh, uh, and he had a bag, and he had uh, some wines in it, and the wines had corks in the bottles. Ooh. And he started pulling some corks, and... I remember the first time he came in, I kind of turned him away and said, ah, you know, we've, we have wine by the glass and, and uh, not too interested. And uh, second time he came in, I took a look at the bottle and I thought, gosh darn, you know what? I should probably taste this. So he and I, we started tasting. And uh, that night, I think I had a, uh, uh, a Chablis. I had a Burgundy. I had a, uh, a, a Blush wine or Rosé. And I had a Washington Riesling by the glass. Ooh. Yes. Look at that. And, and we, we stepped up and... and uh, would that have been? Paul Thomas? Had, had, had the staff taste, taste, that, uh, taste that Riesling. And, uh, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And the Riesling led to, you know, a Sabbath. Blanc that led to a Chardonnay that led to a Cabernet, and pretty soon we had four or five or six right. six wines by the glass. Katerina, Arbor Crest, I'm trying to remember some of the names that I remember from my early days. Sure. Hogue. Uh, Hogue. Uh, Wasn't Hogue out there? Haviland Vineyards. Haviland Vineyard. Haviland Vineyard. Oh my Vineyards. goodness. Uh, yeah, there were there were some great ones. St. Chapelle was pretty big back then. That's right. Uh, yeah. out, of, out of Idaho, you know, they were one of the, the first. Uh, the Oregon wineries were a little bit ahead of us. Yes. Uh, Soko Blosser. Um, the Irie. Yep, Irie. Um, uh, Hinman. Newt's and Erath. Were some of those, some of those first wines as well. So fun. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I got, we got way into it. We bought a, uh, a Cruvenet machine back wow. in... 82. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we had uh, wait a ton. As, as many as, uh, you know, a 16 wines by the glass. Oh, wow, that's ambitious. Yes. Yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect, right between the martinis and the ashtray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, life has changed in our restaurant world these days, and I'm so pleased to have B.J. Walkery, the trade development specialist for Southern Glaciers. Now, B.J., um, Washington wine obviously exploded. Uh, you brought a Washington um, producer here. Tell me about your history with uh, this producer, Mercer. Well, Mercer's 
States, you know, they've, they've been in the business, uh, uh, grape growing business uh, since the inception, about 1968. And uh, uh, the family, uh, you know, started off as a farming family uh, shortly after the reclamation in eastern Washington. When they were able to irrigate, uh, vegetables was, was their mainstay. And uh, they were really good farmers. And the, the first wine guys said, boy, we could really use your expertise would you mind farming some grapes for us? Uh-huh. So they ended up being, you know, uh, wonderful grape farmers. And then as as it happens, you see your grapes go into some incredible bottles of wine and the wines start winning awards and, and your name's nowhere... N- <laughs> to be found on that wine bottle, and uh, heck, you're you're just a, a winemaker away from uh, being the guy that gets to put the the, the name on the bottle and, and get and, to charge the twenty five dollars a bottle back then. Exactly, right? rather than the whatever uh, two thousand dollars a ton, right? Yes, and it's uh, so much ro- more romantic to have have oh your name on the bottle. Goodness, yeah, and and uh, so the Mercers got into the business and. Uh, Here's what I like about uh, the Mercer family. Uh, they own uh, many, many vineyards and, and, and a lot of acreage, and they've been uh, growing grapes since 68. And uh, so that, that I love a place, uh, a winery that has a sense of place, that has an address, that has a front door that you can knock on. And a tractor. And, 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 <laughs> yes, and all those things. And, and so they, they are the real deal there in eastern Washington. Yeah, 100, um, 100 plus years of family history there. Um, Mercer, you may remember Mercer Ranch. You brought four beautiful bottles of wine from the Mercer family. Um, what did you bring? You have a Chardonnay Reserve. Reserve, yeah, all reserve wines today. All reserve wines, yeah. great. Uh, I brought- see the Ode to Brothers 2012, which is a Rhone-style blend. Yep, Rhone-style blend. And then we brought the uh, the Mercer Cabernet Sauvignon, and then a uh, a Bordeaux blend, uh, Cavalier Vineyard, or uh, yeah, it is Vineyard, um, uh, the Rhone blend. Great. So we have a Chard, a Southern Rhone blend, a. Uh Bordeaux blend, blend, and then a Cabernet Sauvignon. Fantastic. When we come back from this break, we're going to dive in and taste some of these great wines. I remember having uh, Rob Mercer and Jessica Minnell on the show, but it'll be good to have a different perspective with uh, B.J. Walker, who's the trade development specialist for Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits here in Seattle. And uh, folks, if you have any questions about some of our guests and some of our, our, uh, our, our well, of our products, uh, shoot us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you're on the Twitter sphere, uh, do some tweeting. It's uh, at happy. Happy HR Radio. If you ever miss a show, it's happyhourradio.net. And um, coming back, we've got uh, four wines to taste with BJ Walkery and Mercer Family Estates. Stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI 1 and 0 weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
All right. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Happy Saturday night. Hope you got something great in your glass. Time for round two. I've got uh, four glasses of wine in front of me, courtesy of my pal B.J. Walker. He was the uh, trade development specialist, and he's uh, with Southern Glazer Wine and Spirits here in Seattle. He's brought, uh, well, some good family friends, Some uh, uh, one of the patriarch families, really, of Washington wine. Mercer Family Estates. Um, B.J., you've got four wines. The first is white. We've got a Chardonnay. Tell me about this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, 2000. 2013 Reserve Chardonnay at uh, Horse Heaven Hills. Um, and uh, the Mercers have a great piece of property there in Horse Heaven Hills. Um, uh, you know, sloped vineyards. And uh, this has some great integration of uh, some some really rich, uh, buttery, uh, butterscotch-type oak. Uh, very uh, a ripe apple. Um, mm. There's some great flavors there. When it comes to Chardonnay, obviously, um, I'm a big Francophile, so I love Chablis, but that's not the kind of, of Chardonnay we have here today. This is uh, coming from a warmer area, so we get uh, much riper fruit flavor. Flavors, whether it be stone fruit, citrus fruit, tree fruit, and tropical fruit. Um, the, the beauty of having a reserve Chardonnay is which means they've elevated this particular wine because it, it becomes has a little more structure, a little more depth, a little more complexity, and a little more of just mmm factor. I just tasted this um, great bright acidity, and there is a, a touch of just a hint of butterscotch, tropical fruit, um, a nice long acidity, and it's, it's a beautiful finish. Yeah, it's a, it's a great wine. What are these? What does this wine run? You think on a retail store, and where and where are Mercer State wines available? Are these are the reserve wines available at all the wine shops, or do you have to go to uh, your Trader Joe's, or is it uh, Whole Foods carries carries uh, many of the reserve wines? Uh, uh, Total Wine and More carry these wines. There's uh, some QFC, uh, uh, the sommelier stores yeah. carry the wines. Um, uh, Yolks. Uh, okay. Uh, any, anybody on the east side uh, listening tonight? Uh, Yolks carry, carries uh, <laughs> some of the reserve wines as well. Cool. And the, the Chardonnay is a screw top, which uh, people should not be afraid of. It just means it's easy access and ready to drink, so don't be waiting on those. Um, I love this wine. It's actually, the chill is not too cold. When it comes to Chardonnay, it's important to have the right temperature because other times, if it's too cold, you just taste acidity. If it's too warm, it tastes could be a little hot and alcoholic. But uh, the nice little chill is just what you need. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I like it, uh, 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 you know, 50, 52 degrees, somewhere right in there, you know, probably works works pretty nice uh, for this Chardonnay. And Chardonnay, to me, in the summertime, I, I love it with, uh, by the glass, with scalps, with uh, my salmon, with my salads. Um, I do like Chardonnay, and I'm pleased to have that. Mercer 2013 Reserve Chardonnay. Next wine is called an Ode to Brothers, and this is a Southern Rhone blend you mentioned. Um, what grapes, you said, uh, Morved... Grenache, Grenache, Mavedra, and uh, Sanso, Syrah, Syrah, Syrah. Ah, all right, so. and you, and you can definitely get the Syrah GMS on, on the nose. And and the thing that I pick up in Washington Syrah is is this uh, this underlying hint of cocoa powder. Mm. Um, and and uh, yeah, this this definitely shows that that touch of cocoa powder. Mm. Uh, Horse Heaven Hills, two thousand and twelve. 
Reserve Ode to Brothers. Very expressive wine. Obviously, when you have three different grapes, uh, and that's the classic blend of Grenache, Syrah, Morvedra, um, you have layers of flavor, red fruit, blue fruit, a little purple fruit. There's just a deft touch of oak on here, which I think gives you a little creaminess and a little vanilla toffee. Um, but you're right, very expressive on the, on the nose with the, uh, the floral and hints of cocoa. Um, uh, just a very bit of cured meat on there. Um, soft but complex and smooth. This yeah. is yummy. Uh, vel- kind of velvety tannins in, in this wine. Um, and, and it really shows well. I'd like a, uh, a New York steak with some little uh, uh, maybe compound butter on top with uh, <laughs> may- maybe a, cu- a couple a couple uh, uh, chips of uh, blue blue cheese melted in on top of that Let's get that, that grill going. We need to have actually a live grill here Saturday nights. I think we need to get a sponsor for that. That'd be fun. <laughs> so fun. Um Older Brothers 2012. Uh, this is under cork, and uh, it's beautifully balanced. Uh, this is probably in that 35 to $40 range. This tastes like a, a very high-quality glass of wine. Yep. This uh, will retail somewhere right around 40 bucks. All right. Um, next up is the Bordeaux blend, the Mercer family estates. And uh, uh, the Bordeaux blend is called Cavalier, and that's named after a vineyard. This is the Reserve Cavalier 2010. Um, classic Bordeaux blend, I imagine. Cabernet, Merlot, Cab Franc, Petit Verdot. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, Merlot-driven. Okay. No cab. No cab. Petit Verdot and uh, uh, Malbec. Mm. All in, right. the, in, the, in the 2010. Pseudo right bank. Wow. Um, it's nice and bright. 2010 was actually in one of the cooler years we have, so I think you get nice crisp acidity in the red wines. Also, you get just a touch of herbaceousness, which is more character than um, foliage and uh, cover crop. It's really about having these grapes express themselves with their true varietal character, not actually having much vegetational flavor you know what i'm talking about right yeah, oh yeah. yeah yeah and and this one definitely the, the merlot uh holler hollers to us in the, in that kind of that uh cedar uh earthy maybe a little bit of mushroom um uh you do say that i just when you said that i got that i got that forest yeah. floor mushroom flavor yeah, yeah. And um, this is a single vineyard wine. Is that what Cavalier is? Uh, well, it's, it's uh, Horse Heaven Hills. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if Cavalier was a vineyard or or not, but um, a yummy wine. And, and it's interesting because the the tannin is just taut enough to give you uh, the backbone for this wine because you got acidity, you got tannin, you've got um, definitely some very ripe fruit, but it's not overripe. This is more in the European style because it seems just a little bit restrained as far as alcohol and uh, the overripe fruit goes, which we're, you know, we're blessed with great sunshine here in Washington. 2010 and 2011 was a little bit challenging, but it turns out that if you're a great winemaker, you know how to make great wines in good in poor, all vintages, I should say. And I think the uh, during the fall of uh, uh, 2010, uh, it it kind of warmed up. And we didn't get rain till late, so the hang time was. Uh, they were able to, you know, let the grapes hang, and, yeah. And uh, they were able to get that ripeness that they that they need, and and the bricks. That's that they the key. Need. You don't get that rain late, and if you got, we have still lots of daylight, so the the grapes are the vines are still working, and when you've got uh, a, a nice. Uh, mild October, it's there's no worries of, of frost or freeze because that's what happens. You get some of those air masses come down and boom, 
like 2014. Right. That's what happened. Right. Uh, so that's the 2010 Cavalier um, Merlot, uh, Petit Verdot, and Malbec blend. Uh, that's probably in the $40 range, too. That's a very um, beautiful bottle of wine. I'd love to have that decanted and just to watch that open up. Uh, last wine is a Cabernet Sauvignon. We saved the, uh, well, one of the king of grapes uh, for the final wine with Mercer Family Estates. This is the uh, Reserve 2012 Cabernet Sauvignon. Mmm, I'm just, look at the dark color. Um, it just, it, it's just kind of popping in the glass. It sure is. Mmm. Horse Heaven Hills. Um, I think that was our fourth AVA. Wait, fifth. Yes. Fifth AVA. Yes. Mmm. <laughs> wow, this, now, this smells like world-class wine I and mean, they all are delicious but when i think of cabernet sauvignon this is what really reaches out to me with black currant blackberry and uh just a hint of thyme and tobacco yep some bramble yeah yeah berry um yeah, tobacco was a great pick up there and a little bit of leather on the backbone of that Oh, now it's a Saturday night. I love having a big glass of wine. You know when it cuz it's cool in the in the studio. Obviously it's not 85 degrees outside. Sometimes it's challenging to, to drink a big wine with um, you know, high elevated alcohol uh and perhaps some good tannin. This tannin is smooth. Yeah, very velvety tannins. Um Jessica Jessica Manel does a great job of uh in, integrating uh her uh oak and and uh uh, this this wine has a little bit of uh, age on it, so it's going to integrate those tannins really nicely. Mm. Um, beautifully balanced. Uh, it's is complex uh, and again smooth and dry. Um, makes you want to take another sip, which to me is one of the great hallmarks of any good wine. Sure is. And if you uh, hey folks, if you ever if you want to check out my interview with uh, Rob Mercer and Jessica Manel, go check out the website. It's happyhourradio.net. You'll find it um, uh, kind of a tasting with uh, well Jessica Manel and Rob Mercer. Pretty straightforward. So again, um, BJ, these wines, Mercer Family States, the reserve tier is available at Whole Foods. Available at some Total Wine and More, and uh, probably some of the the high end wine shops, the Esquins, and, and yep. of course uh, any steward can find this. So if you have a relationship with the wine steward at one of your retail outlets, ask. Right? Sure. They, we 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 drive wine all over town. That's right. You got a truck going there anyway. <laughs> they can pop on a few bottles, no problem. So all these wines are in that uh, thirty-five to forty-dollar range, high-end wines. And in your perspective, BJ, you taste a lot of Washington wines. Where do these fit in your? Uh, I know you're probably a little bit biased, but tell me. Well, you know, uh, I love these wines. In that, and once again, they they have a front door, they, and, and you can knock on it. And they they have a, a winery, and you can see it. And uh, uh, these these are great companions to all kinds of uh, Northwest foods. And and if you're grilling, uh, the Chardonnay would fit with uh, a, a salmon dish in a heartbeat. And and the Reds, of course, with uh, any of your any of your favorite red meats, uh, they they fit in really well. And they're just exciting wines. And and I I like these. Um, especially because they just work really well for us. Well, I'm glad you brought them. That's B.J. Walker. Hey, um, thanks for sharing Mercer Family State Wines. Hey, it's my pleasure. Uh, great to be here with you, Chris. I loved it. Um, look forward to seeing you again on air. We'll try some booze in your portfolio, some of those spirits. Love to do it. All right, folks, stick around. I'll be right back with my pal Dustin Harstead and chat about the cruises around the world. A 
Northwest Original. Lars Larson, live weekdays noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope you had a great Saturday night. It's the middle of August, and uh, it's time to put something new in your glass. Had some great Washington wine, but now my my pal, the CEO of Blind Tiger Cocktail Company and the uh, whiskey ambassador for Balvini and Glenfiddich, uh, my man Dustin Harstead's in studio, uh, back from his gallivanting around the world. Hey, Dustin, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Chris. Good to have you. So uh, you were on a cruise. You've got this cool... Blind cocktail, blind tiger cocktail company in the cruise lines asked you to come and do what? So essentially, a couple of years ago, we started working with uh, Costco Travel and Celebrity Cruise Lines, and what we do is uh, we design a uh, travel package based around spirits and cocktail education. So effectively, we do spirits and cocktail coursings, we do uh, chef pairing gala events, and a bunch of just cocktail parties on the ships for these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing parties. Yeah, it's not bad. I like it. So your last trip, uh, where did you cruise to? So this past one was uh, in the Mediterranean. It was uh, rough sailing. We had to go to Italy and Greece and Turkey and just uh, hit a bunch of different destinations and talked about a lot of the local distillates of the region. We talked about Italian bitters, Amari. Uh, we talked about uh, Uzo and Sapporo, stuff like that. What's Sapporo? Sapporo's kind of similar to uh, Uzo, but um, it's a bit different. They use uh, different botanicals. It's basically like their version of uh, rocket fuel with <laughs> steeped in botanicals. It's pretty intense. <laughs> and so Uzo, now Uzo, you studied Uzo. It actually comes from uh, Greece. And is it part, is it a very specific place like an AOP, an Appalachian Origin Protectorate? Um, as far as I'm concerned, it just seemed like you can find it everywhere. It's kind of like their national distillate, and it's something that people drink um, really early in the day, um, so to speak, but also kind of before and after meals as well. It's kind of like their version of a of aperitif, digestif. And uh, the the uh, Italian version Sambuca, right? It's yeah. this, this licorice or anise-flavored liqueur. Now, is is Uzo um, a, a wheat distillate, distillate, or is it... It's a grain-based. Grain-based. Yeah. Okay, and then they just add the, the flavor and sweetener to... Yeah, I've had, I've had some that were grain-based. I had some that were grape-based. Um, it's kind of depending on where you're at and what's going on. Yeah. All right. So you were in Turkey as well, huh? Yeah. And what uh, do they drink? in Turkey? Uh, it didn't really Turkish seem coffee. like it all that much. Yeah, and I mean, there was a lot a lot of uh, crazy stuff going on in that area, so we ended up getting rerouted a bit, oh, and right. we were we kind of touched down for like two days, and then it was it was, it was was time for us to go, so we ended up going back to, uh, to Greece. Interesting, and um, did, when you go to these places, is it all... Is it all white beach? Is it all something we picture in our, in our mind that this is like so romantic and so sexy cool, like something out of the postcards? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Celebrity is. does a great job of taking us to some really cool destinations. I mean, uh, Santorini in particular, um, I was I remember seeing the postcards. I'm like, there's no way those vibrant blues and whites are real, and they totally are. It was, it was really incredible to see. Wow. And um, do you have an assistant on these crews? Do you... Do you um have a set agenda each time or do you I mean it must you must be planning it well in advance to make sure it's the best quality production right yeah totally it takes us about five or six months in advance to plan these things out and I brought um, the rest of my team over at Blind Tiger brought uh, Ryan Loby and um, Megan Rainwater so without them I mean it couldn't have been as amazing as it was, it was really I good remember Megan yeah she's been in the studio before yeah uh, cool well what uh, what was some of the cool distillates outside of the Uzo and uh, what'd you call the other ones um, uh what was Sub- that? Saboro, or do you call oh, it? Oh, Sapporo. Sapporo. Yeah. 
And what other kind of cool th- drinks did you taste uh, from as far as the spirits go? Um, a lot of it was actually off the cruise. We kind of jumped around Europe for another couple months. Um, so, I mean, I had access to a ton of rum that you just never see in the States. A lot of single malts uh, here in the States. Like, we get a fair amount of single malts, but you get anywhere like close to the UK and it's just single malt galore. So um, it's really more access to products that we just don't ever see this side of the States. Yeah, and I remember um, my recent travels too, just seeing some of the uh, expressions that the Scotch companies produce. The mm. um, Really wild, of course, different age statements, different uh, uh, maturation uh, uh, profiles, etc. You have two bottles here today. I'm, I'm curious, what did you bring? So I brought a couple bottles here that, uh, again, you just you can't really get out here. Uh, one is uh, Coroni. It's uh, 100% Trinidadian rum. Um, they don't make this anymore, so kind of what's out there is out there for the most part. Um, brought the 12 year, it's a hundred proof. Um, this one is like, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, this is the definition of Tr- Trinidadian, like, you know, molasses based rum. Um, really, really great stuff. So we're going to crack into that. Also brought in uh, Bowmore Cast Strength. Um, I've never seen that here in the States. I think we might have had a bottle at Cannon at one point or another. But, um, yeah, I just found it in a small little cafe in Italy, of all places, and had to pick it up. Wow. So fun. So um, Trinidad, and uh, who owns Trinidad? That's his own country, but is it is it more of a Dutch country, or is it French? Or That's a wonderful question. I haven't been yet. Yeah. Oh, you haven't <laughs> been yet. Okay. And where did you find this Caroni rum? Um, honestly, like it's all over Italy and France. I think I picked this bottle up in the same little uh, cafe of sorts that I picked up the Beaumont. Um but there was um, a rum specific shop in Paris that just blew my mind I'd never it was had to have had about two or three thousand different bottles of rum and they had pretty much the entire Caroni line so I ended up supplementing um, some more of those bottles in the old collection as well Wow and there's no problem getting all this back in your uh, backpack or suitcase All taxes and duties were paid Oh very good <laughs> we'll just, That's right we uh, we only follow the letter of the law here Oh and indeed Happy Hour Radio Speaking with Dustin Harstead the CEO of Blind Tiger Cocktail Company uh, well and a cruise specialist um, what's your title on that, that cruise ship? Um, honestly I'm more of just like the director of entertainment in a way you Ooh. might say um, so uh, my my lovely team they, they take care of all the the cocktail preparation um, and Megan handles all the video and, and uh, photography so um, I throw in a suit and put on my uh, my best Sinatra swagger and entertain everyone let them know what's going on and kind of just really um, talk about spirits and geek out on cocktails and all that kind of stuff. So fun. Now, uh, I've been on a couple of cruises, and, and are these programs, um, they're during sea time, is that correct? Or is Yeah. It- so while we're out at sea, um, we try to avoid doing some of these things uh, at the destination so people can get off the boat, right. hang out, and um, I think some people usually drink off the boat too, so we try not to get too crazy with them, but um, we're definitely focused on the educational element of things. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And uh, how big of an audience do you typically have? Is this is this a ballroom, or is this basically a, an intimate bar, or a kind of a, a workstation or something? Yeah, it switches up. I mean, uh, with the educational seminars, uh, we usually have a core group of about 150, um, uh, 150 guests. And when we do some of our cocktail parties and chef, uh, chef pairings and whatnot, I mean, we'll see a group of 500 plus people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. How do people get involved if they want to find you? Do you list some of these cruises on your website? Or? Yeah, yeah. You can find all our information on uh, blindtigercocktails.com, on our Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And... Um, uh, Costco Travel does a splendid job of putting that stuff out there as well. Well, we know that it's all home-based when it comes to Costco and Kirkland. Uh, well, I'm excited. We've got uh, a little bit of time. I want to try, uh, what are we going to taste first? We're going to try the Caroni rum first and yeah, leave we'll the go Isle that of way. Scotch <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to blow the palate out, you know. 
and Caroni, did were you aware of this particular um, distillery prior to uh, um, your your stumbling upon it in? Yeah, I'd heard about it. Um, there's a great rum bar here in Seattle called Rumba, and they do a spectacular job of um, of featuring lots of crazy, obscure rums and whatnot. And um, I had tried it a couple of times before. In fact, I think the first time I had it was um, in my first trek out to Europe four years ago, and I just fell in love with it. And they, uh, this, my buddy had a bar in the Cinque Terre and just had about like eight different bottles, and we just geeked out, tried a bunch, and just... I really fell in love with the stuff and I, I remember thinking if I ever come across a bottle I have to have it so didn't find it that time found a ton of it this time and filled up my baggage and here we are wow I'm just taking a, a whiff of this um, very aromatic bouquet um, it really jumps out of the glass it's it's quite complex it it smells a little bit of uh, I get molasses or sugarcane but it also has just sort of a depth of character that reminds me of scotch for some reason yeah I mean you definitely get um, a cask presence for sure but I mean just the tropical fruit notes are just mm. in your face and I think with the the higher proof too it really um, helps open up a lot of those aromatics and more complicated flavor profiles as well wow what's really curious to me is some is how some of these rums have all the tactile presence you've get I get acidity on this mm. and that which is bizarre oh, because yeah. it's it's just barrel and spirit mm-hmm yeah, I mean, these guys do it well. I mean, as far as Trinidadian rums, there are very few other um, brands, I think, that really come out with some wonderful products. Plantation's another one of them as well. But, oh, yeah. But Caroni, though, I mean, drink them if you got them. you got to find this stuff. And this, um, obviously, this says age 12 years, but uh, and this was no longer produced. So how old actually is this bottle? It looks kind of like maybe 20 years old or something. Yeah, so it was distilled um, at the Crony Distillery in Trinidad back in January of 2000, um, aged in Trinidad, and then it was bottled in Scotland, which is kind of something we're seeing a lot more. We're seeing um, uh, companies buy up a lot of these old barrels, oh. and they're bottling. some are bottling in France, some are bottling in Scotland. So um, it's it's just kind of a luck of the draw. I mean, I, I still can't believe I found these bottles. Wow, what a treat. Uh, Caroni Rum, it's 12-year-old. It's from Trinidad, the island of Trinidad, and it's uh, a molasses-based um, distillate, meaning uh, rums can be made from sugar cane or just sugar uh, and then sugar cane juice and, and molasses. Is that right? Am I and molasses is the byproduct of sugar cane production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's the dark and, uh, well... Like 95, 96% of all rums are uh, derived from molasses. So Excellent. like when you start talking about like the Martinique, Guadalupe, some of the funky rums um, that's where those come from and that's just where they really get all that extra flavor and character because the molasses is thick and gooey yeah it's, it's very high in sugar content so of course great for fermentation distillation all that stuff awesome well I'm so excited to have Dustin Harstead CEO of Blind Tiger Cocktail Company back on the show when we come back from this break he's got another surprise well no longer a surprise it's Bowmore Castrink from Isla so stick around folks we're going to taste some more spirits on Happy Hour Radio Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. 
All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Happy Saturday night. Hope you got something great in your glass because it's time for round four. Our final segment with my pal Dustin Arsett, CEO of Blind Tiger Cocktail Company and uh, the uh, whiskey ambassador for Balvini and Glenfiddich. Uh, the young man has, uh, <laughs> um, well, interesting about some of these older bottles. Um, obviously, they're cork finished, and uh, cork is a, a porous material. Obviously, um, comes it's organic, comes from a tree. And Dustin, if you're ever on a ship without a corkscrew, you just pushed it in, yo ho ho. That's right. That's right. I said well, he was looking for a corkscrew, and it's like uh, <laughs> you're supposed to pull it out with your teeth. That's pretty funny. Yep. All right, so we've got um, a Bowmore. Now, Bowmore is one of, the, I think, the six or seven distilleries in Isla. There's Ardbeg and uh, There's almost, like I think, Boone. nine of them coming up. Nine? Now. They have a yeah. new distillery being built as we speak. Bunahabahane and uh, Brooklady. Yeah, I've got Kilhoman. There's quite a few heavy hitters out there. Lagavulin, all the greats. Uh, if you really like the smokier, briny scotches, this is right up your alley. Oh wow! Well, this is interesting. Um, Bullmore is is obviously to me is known for for Isla and had, therefore has a lot of peat. But to me, it's always one of the more mild, more um, multi style whiskeys. Is is that the case in your in your mind? Uh, they kind of range in flavor. They do a lot of cask finishing, and they kind of do a lot of experimental things. I really, I've re- always really enjoyed the Bullmore line, and um, I've honestly never had a cask strength expression. So I'm really excited to try this guy. This one's chiming in at fifty six percent. Oh wow! Now that is singularly unique. Mm. Yeah, super briny, very very peaty. But it's a nice, it's a nice light uh, peated expression. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's not kicking you. It's not um, you know overpowering. Um, it's got such depth of flavor, and that's what's great. I think with Bulma, with uh, Isla whiskeys is that they last and last on the palate. Mm. Some can be obviously the peat monsters of the world can can knock you over the head, but uh, this definitely has a lot of cask on it. Yeah. It uh, doesn't have much uh, of an age statement, um, which I don't actually mind. I mean, at, th- at this point, all I really care about is how it tastes coming out the bottle. And you definitely get some iodine, that nice, un- nice undertones of peat. And even though it's cast strength, it's not it's not kicking you in the face either. It's nice and mellow. Yeah, it's not burning. And I think you, you sometimes we want a little burn because <laughs> we want to feel it. And yeah. th- to me, this is this has got um, November written all over it oh yeah sitting in with uh you know shoot you can sit in your your skivvies with a snifter but i'm thinking more (laughs) of a robe and slippers kind of thing yeah and a big snifter this is a very delicious dram yeah it's wonderful i mean um to your point i think that a quality distillate should be warm and not burn you know what i mean so this is this is right there Mm, there's a lot of flavor here and i always get some chocolate and um uh obviously there's a wood on there and a little bit of Mm. What I love about it too is it's got some nice, like fruit. oily mouthfeel to it as well. I like, get that on the finish here. It's like it's uh, it lingers. It does, uh, and this is great. So, ask you know, guests never asks. Um, what does a bottle like that cost? This one set me back uh, about two hundred, but it's also because it was I found it out of the country and. Um, Honestly, like the American dollar went quite far on this one. I believe I got this one in Italy as well. Um, if you found it in the states, it'd probably be a bit more, just because it's not available out here. But I've never seen it myself. Yeah, it's even with wonderful. all the Bomore expressions that have been coming out recently, and that's an old bottle. Interesting enough, that these bottles are just a little shorter. They're a little smaller than regular seven fifty. Is this a seventy? It's a seven hundred mil. Yeah, seven hundred mil. Yeah. Mm. Delicious spirit. Um, 
do you have you have a huge collection? I I had the pleasure of seeing it one night. And uh, how many Scotch whiskeys do you have? I'm I'm purely guessing here. Um, I'm thinking it's probably somewhere around 200 different malts. Yeah, yeah. And how many of those are like un, unfindable or unsearchable here in in the states? I'd say unobtainium. About two thirds of them aren't available in the states. It's I mean. I, I have a philosophy, if it's good, drink it, and <laughs> even some of the more rare bottles um, I try and open and share with uh, with colleagues such as yourself and friends, and um, I definitely have some of the more uh, rarities that I haven't quite opened yet. Um, I brought back a bottle of 18-year uh, Port Ellen, which blew my mind. I've always dreamed of owning a bottle of Port Ellen, and um, if you don't know what it is, it's a, a defunct distillery from Isla, and it was just famous for making some of the best uh, peated scotches. So I found one of those. It's kind of a treasure bottle. Still haven't opened it yet. <laughs> Almost brought it in today, but well, you just let us know when you circle out, and, <laughs> and we'll share it with the world here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, um, we want to find information about your next cruise and next upcoming. Uh, it's BlindTigerCocktailCompany.com. Yeah, BlindTigerCocktails.com. Uh, I think that uh, Costco Travel is getting ready to sum all that stuff up here in the next couple months, so stay tuned on there. They'll definitely make an announcement. But, yeah, you'll find us on doing uh, travel experiences with them through 2018 now. Congratulations, pal. Good to have you back in studio, and thanks so much for sharing Caroni uh, Trinidad Rum and the Bowmore Cat Strength. Thanks for having me, Chris. Oh, so fun. That's my pal Dustin Harstead, CEO of BlindTigerCocktails.com. you got to check it out. Uh, take a cruise, man. It sounds like a super fun. Hope you had a good time on the show. Uh, we enjoyed Mercer's States, and of course, uh, uh, the man behind uh, Blind Tiger Cocktail Company. Dustin R. said, hey folks, if you ever miss a show, don't forget it's happyhourradio.net. And like always, I want you to remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!